Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. So, the Milwaukee Bucks beat back the Nets 86-83 last night. Actually, the Bucks may have won that game, but in reality, we were all losers. We were all the real losers because although they won that game and they did what they had to do to win that game, man, that was a terrible game of basketball. That was a brutal game of basketball. That essentially set the sport back about 30 years. It was that brutal. It was that unwatchable. There was only one guy on the floor who was trying to make it better. And I'll get to that legend momentarily. But in the meantime, the rest of them, anybody who had anything to do with that game owes all of us an apology. Now, let me preface this by saying the Milwaukee Bucks are not going to apologize for anything at all. They had to have that win in the worst way. And ugly wins count as much as the beautiful wins. So they're not giving that one back. But damn, that was ugly. Man, that was a pig that, ga- that game fell from the very top of the ugly tree and hit every branch on the way down. It got And why ugly. do I say that? Because it's amazing that a game that involved that many All-Stars, three absolute Hall of Fame locks, that kind of talent, historic talent, all that talent and that game was still that terrible. And it was. The Nets had 11 points in the first quarter. The Bucks had 15 in the second. They went nearly nine minutes in the second quarter with only three points. The two teams combined for 37 in the fourth. Two teams with great players, and neither of them could break 20 points in the fourth quarter. For a three-minute stretch in the fourth, neither team even scored. I mean, ugly. Really ugly. And it's not like they were both playing this kind of lockdown defense. It's not like we were watching the Ben Wallace Pistons out there or the Jordan Pippen Rodman Bulls out there. It was just a lot of dudes clanking shots and trying to knock over the backboard. And for a stretch, a bunch of those came from none other than Giannis. I can't believe I'm about to be critical of a guy who went 33-14 and 14 in a game his team had to have. But my man took eight threes. And he made one. He led the Bucks in threes attempted. And the crazy thing is, he actually started the game like this. Harris fakes, drives, can't finish. The follow from, from Brown won't go. And here comes a Pettigrupo. Drives hard and throws it down. Well, that's a pretty good statement to start and a quick 4 nothing lead. Right, exactly. That's how you want to start. That's what you want to see from that guy. You want to see that guy attacking the basket early and often. And in that moment, he had everybody in Nets gear backing up on skates. You see something like that and you think, look the hell out. The freak is going to spend the entire game attacking the rack, beating guys in the paint, punishing anybody who gets in his way. That's how you end up with a 21-point lead in the first quarter. Except that's not how that went. That's not what he did. Too often, he did settle for threes. And no matter how many times he missed, he kept right on firing. And then the Nets kept right on partying because they want that guy to take that shot. They want him to take that mid-range shot, and they want him to take that long-range shot. Every time he took a three, the Nets played off even further. And why the hell not? Until he can make you pay, until he gives you a reason to believe that he's going to knock those shots down, there is no reason to concern yourself with him that far away from the basket. And then that's how you end up blowing most of a 21-point lead in the second quarter. And yes, I know that once Giannis develops a consistent three, it's game over for everybody else in the league. But he doesn't have it right now, or at least he didn't have it last night. The guy's made three threes in the series. He's made a total of four in this year's playoffs. Total. Yet, this dude's out there firing away like he's Clay Thompson or something. And again, I'm not, I'm not here to crack the Bucks. I know they're not going to apologize for last night's game, even though everybody involved owes us an apology. But they're not going to apologize because the playoffs are about one thing, right? Did you win? They did. They accomplished that part of the mission. Essentially unwatchable for the rest of us, but they made it a lot closer than it should have been. Listen, here's the thing about the Bucs. 
If you're playing a Nets team on a night when they shoot 36% from the field and 25% from the three, you should smash them up. If their offense has an off night, you better punish them. You better make them pay. And the Bucks didn't. And can I re- reiterate one more time? This is a huge Giannis house. I love the guy. He's unbelievable. He's one of the most dominant players ever to step on the court. But when he pulls up for eight threes and he only hits one, he reduces that dominance exponentially. He's making life so much easier for the opposition. He's making life so much easier that the last thing you want to be doing for a team that has Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and Bruce Brown is making it easier. Yeah, I said it. The last thing you want to do for a team that boasts the likes of Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and Bruce Brown is make it easier for them. Now, check that. That Okay, that's a wild line. The last thing you want to do for a team that boasts the likes of Bruce Brown, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving is make life easier. Hell yes, I just said Bruce Brown in the same breath as Katie and Kyrie. Hell yes, I did correct myself and put him first. And Bruce would probably be pissed off about that as well. Unless I put him first, which I did and I should. See, basketball in an ugly night of basketball. That night, at least there was that one guy who was trying to make history. That one guy trying to go legend. The Nets were up one with under 40 seconds to go, and they had the basketball. A bucket here probably ends the Bucks' season, right? So who do you go with? Legends all over the floor. Who do you go with if you want to knock out the Bucks? KD? Kyrie? The Beard? Beard's nowhere to be found. You don't go to KD. You don't go to Kyrie. You go double B, Bruce Brown. Well, Milwaukee has a foul to give, which could come back on Pertham. Brown misses and Pettit put the rebound. Out to Holiday. 16 seconds remaining. And deciding not to call a timeout. Holiday Spindle gets inside. Lance goes. It's good. And the Bucks score by one with 11.4 remaining. Let me tell you something. I've got no problem with that at all. I have no problem with that at all. I know the Bruce Brown haters are going to say that that guy should not be taking a shot in the final minute of a one-score game when you've got two Hall of Famers on the floor. You're entitled to your opinion, no matter how wrong your opinion is. You have three Hall of Famers on the floor in white last night. You just haven't realized it yet. And I'll be damned if Bruce Brown wasn't going to make sure that he got another shot at greatness. So let me ask you again. Down one with only a few seconds left on the clock. Who do you get the ball to? You better get it to Bruce Brown because he's going to take it away from you if you don't, and then the rest of you stay the hell out of the way. Almost throws it away. Picked up by Irving. Struggles with it. Back out to Brown. Eight seconds remaining. Brown to the rim. Layup. No good. Rebound. Tucker. Off to attack. And a foul. I'm telling you, Legend. What most fans do not appreciate is how quickly players have to think on the court. You have to consider all the options, and you have to make a split-second decision. And that's exactly what Bruce Brown did. He surveyed the situation. He saw that he had Kevin Durant, one of the most lethal scorers in NBA history, and a two-time Finals MVP on the floor. He also saw that he had Kyrie Irving, the guy who hit one of the most legendary shots in Finals history out there. Bruce Brown saw all of that. And he scanned all of that. And he went through all of that and he thought to himself, oh, hell no. You guys are old news. Hell no. no. This is my time. This is my team. These are the Bruce Brown Nets. KD, Kyrie, you dudes are decoys at this point. I'm drawing this one up for me. Y'all are washed. Man, I love this so much. Oh, and to have the confidence of Bruce Brown in a situation like that, man, I love that too. No, he didn't win the game, but he absolutely redeemed it. This game is now going to be known as the Bruce Brown game. The first 47 minutes were brutal, but the Bucks are not going to apologize for it. And then the last minute was all Brown, and he shouldn't apologize for it either. Man, you do you, legend. 
You do you. I don't care if the beard comes back or not. Not as long as they have Bruce freaking Brown running the floor and taking the last shot. As long as that dude's out there, man, they got nothing to worry about. No wonder they're not sweating Harden. They got Bruce Brown. Love this guy's act. 1-800-636-8686. Love this guy's act. Hated that game, man. That was so ugly. Seriously, that set the game of basketball back about 30 years. All right, other topics today. It got ugly. It was ugly. Somebody hit that game with the ugly bat repeatedly. Like I said, fell out of the ugly tree and hit every single branch on the way down. A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online. So any small business could be a driving force to create change or build an empire. We know old ideas aren't cutting it anymore. So we're calling for a new generation of thinking. Your way of thinking. So whatever you have in mind that will help make a different future, find everything you need to get started at GoDaddy.com. Because the future isn't decided yet. It's up to us to make it happen. Start different at GoDaddy.com. Johnny Scabs in the D. Johnny, what's up? Jimmy, why is everyone okay with that skinny little crackhead-looking bitch, Tyler in Edmonton, going back to the well with his fat smack? Tyler looks like a mix between Mick Jagger and Iggy Pop. He's so sick-looking. Homeless people give him clean needles when he's walking down the street. But when you can only eat three green beans before you throw up, it's not a badge of honor. Rome, everything is looking, everyone's looking forward to Matt and Van's profile. I'm thinking somewhere between 1153 and 1154 should be enough time. Trying to convince us Matt's funny is like an exotic dancer saying she's just trying to pay for college. Jim, I heard that call from Wells the other day. It was like when someone eats something nasty and tells you you have to try it. Then you try it and it's even worse than you thought. You know, it was great to hear from everyone's favorite punching bag, Matt in L.A. yesterday. It's probably safe to assume he blew all his stimulus money on Lakers tickets and flat-billed hats. Now he's back in the jungle hoping to knock 5K off his child support debt. Until Matt decides if he wants to sweat copper pipes or glass pipes, we can expect these benders to continue. War Jeff from Richmond having the dirtiest placement at the table. Wait. Johnny Scabs. What's going on with you, Matt? What's up? What up, brother? You know how I get down, making cash and crushing ace. Hey, man, if we're really going to get the dirt, the player with the dirtiest undies in the game, Jeff from Richmond and smack off 27, you need to send a couple of your assistants down, rent one of those crane trucks they use to move whales and Americans, and smash a Volkswagen-sized hole in this fat ass's wall and free him like one of those half-ton freaks you see on Discovery Channel. And, hey, the reason I'm ahead of Callan Vegas in the stuck-nut smack-off odds room is because this twerp made the mistake of posting pictures of himself on Twitter now all the jungle can see plain as day that Cal has the belly of an eight-month pregnant woman and the body of a malnourished child. And hell, Rome, I know I'm the bad guy. I'm the villain. I've barely shown up on smack-off days, but you know what? 100% of the clones would rather hear a pissed-off Canadian go full Kwame Brown during the smack-off than hear another, quote, legend, giving us all a sanctimonious, self-righteous lecture for daring to put some time and effort into something legendary for the smack-off. So shut up, I afraidy. Shut up and go away. And take silk and your disgusting man breast with you. Peace, Rome. Peace. I'll see you the day of, Matt. You're in. Yeah, I'm not here to hate that guy at all. I like Matt. I've always liked Matt. Tyler is back, trying to solidify his spot. Tyler, what's going on? Van Smack. Real quick on Scabs. Scabs, you're kind of confirming everything I'm saying by calling me skinny dude. You know why I go back to the well of fat jokes so often, Scabs? Because there's a lot of wells in the 360 to go to. Now, Romy, I got to congratulate you on holding a 40-minute conversation with the one and only Nate Diaz. Honestly, dude, he's probably my favorite fighter. But the way he talks and mumbles drives me insane sometimes, dude. Listening to the talk is like the equivalent of you and Hawk having to read emails with 300 grammar mistakes. Yeah, I know we, yeah, I'll kill. Romy, it feels good. Just like I predicted to be leading some of these schmucks right into the blades of the choppa. And it got me thinking, man, where is Dan in Denver? And, dude, I loved how he didn't get on the air last year, then proceeded to kiss your ass and apologize and claim to put in more effort this year. <laughs> Please. Yeah, we all believe that one, Dan. We all believe you're being real sincere with that one, Daniel. Hey, Dan, a couple things for you. Trump lost the election, COVID is real, and there aren't any microchips in the vaccine. And if you're not doing time for your participation on January 6th, then I suggest you show yourself 
and make a call. Have a good weekend, Romy. I'm out. Hey, you want to hear something incredible? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically and with no limit on how much you can earn. Now, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing because of all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. That's where. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations do apply. Chris Herring is my guest. Chris, good to have you on. How are you? I'm great, Jim. How are you, man? Super. Dude, I'm great. Good to have you. So the Bucks last night get their win, and they're not exactly going to apologize for it, Chris, although I think that they owe all of us an apology. In fact, anybody, anybody who had anything to do with that game owes us an apology. However, <laughs> it is what it is. When you consider how poorly Kevin Durant and Kyrie shot it last night, how concerned would you be if you're the Bucks that the game was as close as it was? Yeah, I mean, it's just... I think the scary thing, Jim, is just at this point, I don't think Harden will be back for the next game. Maybe, you know, if the series is extended, he comes back. But, I mean, I think we have a pretty clear indication of the team that is better here, um, certainly at full strength, but even when you've just got two of the three stars. And, and that's a pretty stark sort of thing to look at um, when you consider what the future holds for this Bucks team if they can't get through here and kind of steal a series. Um, you've got to ask all sorts of questions about, the fact that you just retooled this thing um, through everything you had at Drew Holiday to try to lock everything in with Giannis long term. Um, but you've got a coach that has been a pretty consistent 60 game winner, you know, prorated amount. Um, you've got Chris Middleton on a max deal. Giannis isn't going anywhere. So, what sorts of things do you change? You just overhauled your whole offense during the season um, and kind of took your lumps with that to try to gear up for what this would be. And all of a sudden, you've got a team that just you know, aside from an 83-point performance or whatever it was, a team that can score their way to whatever they want. And um, the Bucks have been a top-five defense for years now, top-ten defense. Um, and even with that and even with Giannis, it, it looks like they still need something more. And maybe that's on Giannis and his offensive game. But, yeah, it's a little bit disheartening to think that um, even when the – the Nets play that poorly that they're still in a position to win. I, I actually really appreciate that response because I really appreciate that organization. I appreciate the moves they made. I appreciate their head coach, but I think you're right. There's an issue right here. So when you talk about Giannis and his offensive game, we are talking about the two-time MVP. There's no denying this is a truly special player, but what do you make of the way he has shown up in the series? As an example, does he seem comfortable when it comes time to taking over a game, or does it feel like he's still thinking quite a bit on the floor? Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's exactly what it is, I think. he. I feel like maybe more than any other star in the league, and I, I guess maybe to some extent it depends on what you think about Ben Simmons and where he ranks within that hierarchy, but certainly superstars in the league, Giannis, you could say this. You can see the wheels turning in his head maybe more than anybody else, and it, it, it's kind of just, you know, when he's at the three-point line and teams just ignore him, does he want to shoot there? Does, does he have to shoot there just to try to keep defenses honest? Does he want to drive when there's a wall in front of him? Is he comfortable taking a fadeaway and, and posting somebody up? Is he being too selfish? Does he need to be more of a facilitator? And I, I just kind of feel like that's, the, that's what I'm getting at with the construction of the team, which seems pretty ideal. You've got floor spacers. You've got a couple guys that can handle the ball. You think back to the first round. Chris Middleton iced the first game of the series against Miami last round. Um, so they have other guys that can close it out. Um, but man, it just, it just feels like there's something more needed from Giannis. And I think he's worked a lot on the three point shot over the last couple of years, but there's times where you just need him to kind of go and say, you know, fine, if they're walling me off, I'm going to pull up and whether it's a floater, whether it's a fadeaway, whether I'm posting someone up and forcing them to kind of guard me on the block, he's got to do something else than just shooting because teams are happy to give him that. And it's sad. Look back to his rookie first, second year. He was a decent three point shooter at the time, and then Jason Kidd told him to stop shooting them. And I don't know if it just got in his head, but like I said, I think you can just see him thinking the game through more than anybody, whereas it comes naturally and guys are just comfortable guys at his level just seem more comfortable than he is right now. We're talking to Chris Herring. You know, Philadelphia is, and I'm jumping around, but Philadelphia is in Atlanta tonight for game three of their series. Trey Young has more than announced his presence on the national stage in the first two rounds. You've got a piece on him and his game up on SI.com. I want to get into his ability for a minute to draw fouls 
And in fact, I want to get into that right now. What what do you make of that? Like this guy's become a villain of sorts in New York, here, there, and everywhere. But what about his ability to draw fouls? Is that part of the game? No matter how much opposing fans might hate that, I think it is. I mean, it's weird because on the one hand, I hate it. Um, it there's no question he's trying to deceive the officials, but at the same time, he's really good at it. And he just kind of reminds me of a, a smaller version of James Harden. He even has Clint Capella, the same guy that Harden used for all those years as a, as a rim roller and, you know, throws lobs to him and makes his floaters look like lobs. And so it's just impossible to defend them back there. He can pull up from 40 and he can run at you really hard if you're waiting for him in the paint to just draw enough contact and initiate the contact. And I think that's what Philly is fed up with. The guy takes a lot of mid-range shots, a lot of floaters, and still draws basically more fouls than anybody else. Those are shots that normally people don't foul on because normally with a floater, you're not making contact with anybody. But Trey Young, you watch it, you slow down the plays and watch replays, and you see him kind of throwing a shoulder or a forearm, and the Matisse Thibel or Ben Simmons or whoever's picking him up. What I will say that's interesting, Philly seems to be a lot better off now than they were in game one. They had Danny Green on him for game one, and that did not work at all. And then they moved to Ben Simmons and Matisse Thibel. They've defended him a little bit better. It seems like he's struggling a little bit more against some size. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's as good as it gets with regards to doing that. And until the kind of takes that loophole away from him, I don't blame him for making use of it. Are you craving some great protein after a good workout? Of course you are. Except this time, don't make a shake. Don't eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Why Old Trapper? Well, it's awesome. And because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender, it's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. And on top of that, Old Trapper is a family-owned business that takes smoked beef extremely seriously, and you can, in fact, taste it in every single bite. I mean, who wants dried, rough beef in a bag? Nobody. Old Trapper is the real deal, and it comes in four amazing flavors. Old-fashioned, teriyaki, peppered, hot and spicy if you need a little extra zing. So the next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime, anywhere, reach for a bag of Old Trapper beef jerky. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, Ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Oh, Trapper, what's your beef? Mike and Indy is an all-timer. I mean, the guy is. The guy has thrown down more lines on this show than almost anybody at all. And yes, he's got the six silver medals. Six. But he's also got that title from that 2014 tandem call that he made with Chael Sonnen. It's in the record book. It's a split championship, but it is a championship nonetheless. Mike is one of maybe two or three guys that I could play three hours of sound from. He's been that good for that long. Now, he doesn't show up as much as he used to, but he's got that body of work. If he shows up this year, although he doesn't show up during the year, if he shows up this year, it'll be his 13th year in a row at the main event. Yesterday, I played some audio of Mark in Hollywood calling out Mike as being Jeff from Southfield. Mike himself has addressed these very rumors. Rome, about once a year, somebody new shows up and flashes brilliance, and everyone assumes it's me because I'm the gold standard of brilliance. On the brilliance scale of one to Mike and Indy, Jeff and Southfield started as a nine, but after that garbage call today, you all know that ain't me. Regardless, Jeff received the ultimate compliment any smack-off caller could ever receive. At one point, everyone thought he was me. All right, so let me ask, <laughs> let me ask you. Who do you believe? More importantly, what do you believe? Doesn't matter much because I don't think we'll ever find out. I've got a hard time believing that Mike is Jeff and Jeff is Mike because they were both at the same smack off last year. Here is part of Mike's fifth place call. I bet the NBA players are pissed no females are allowed in their bubble for the next eight weeks. They're going to have to sneak some females in at some point, though. Disney's going to have more underground tunnels than El Chapo's palatial estate. LeBron James is going to be in the underground tunnel with a torch looking like Indiana Jones and the Temple of Poon. Jim, I'm still shocked I didn't win last year. One of the symptoms of COVID is lack of taste, and the clones are saying Rome must have had COVID the last 10 years because he's got no taste picking Brad over me so many times. But that's not the case. Rome knew he needed to get me fired up to get the best out of me, like when Phil Jackson would let Steve Kerr foul the crap out of Jordan during practice. 
It made Jordan better, and it worked for me, too. I'm the best there ever was and the best there ever will be. That's why all the callers try to copy me. Jeff in Southfield copied my style so strong, some people still think I'm him. Benny copied my take cadence. Left took my Big Wings invasion call and turned it into his studio invasions. Obviously, he has a big man crush on me. I'm flattered, and it's why I came back for the next generation. I think about my rookie year smack-off call back in 09 and a 12-year-old Benny and Wisco listening in on his blanket fort with nothing but a cheap radio and a dream. Listening in on his blanket fort. Um, the call was fantastic. He looked like he was on his way to winning. Instead, he finished fifth because he made a big mistake. He took the ball out of his own hands. And then he started playing sound drops from the last dance. And they all fired with a lot of lag. And they weren't easy to hear. And then the whole thing just became totally disjointed. The concept of comparing himself to Mike actually was fantastic. The execution, though terrible it distracted from a call that could have and should have placed a lot higher all good you live you learn here's mike from smack off 25 in 2019 romy i'm the big long straight piece in tetris stevie carbone is that crappy zigzag piece you get right before your screen fills up you've heard everybody coming at me today i got so many beefs i can't even keep track I got so much beef, Beaks in Studio City tried to rob me in broad daylight. Rome, I have thousands of Twitter followers, but I only follow five, so getting a follow from me is a huge honor. If I win today, I'm going to open up the floodgates and follow the whole XR4TI. That might be the closest you knuckleheads ever get to a Twitter verification. Now let me translate all that into Hawk's natural dialect. Rome, I'm having a tough time dealing with that moving stage that ESPN uses to whisk Booger McFarland from one end of the field to the other. What's next? They're going to suspend Booger McFarland's fat ass in a zipline harness hovering over the field? Brad and Corona apologists say Brad has four championships but should have five. Well, I should have nine championships, so I guess that settles that. The flow, the delivery, the takes, the cadence, the voice, the bravado, it's all there. Mike makes something really hard sound incredibly easy. You already know what's up, Romy. You know why I'm here. I'm the best there ever was and the best there ever will be. I think of a young Caleb in Green Bay looking up at his Mike and Indy poster on the ceiling before he falls asleep at night. Mark and Boston is a proven caller, proven to be average. The most pathetic man in the jungle, Stevie Carbone. Carbone realized he wanted to be a reality spoiler when he told some little kid Santa Claus didn't exist. And when he saw the disappointment on that kid's face, Stevie thought, damn, that felt good. Brad and Corona, I bet this cat has to watch 30 minutes of Melrose Place in the morning just to get right. Mike Tirico thinks this guy's a tool. I'd like to start by talking a little Women's World Cup. Alex Morgan is hot. I want to wish everybody a happy October, or as Matthew Perry calls it, McRib Month. The only reason Brad's name pops up on National Dog Day is because he's a bitch. And Mark in Hollywood, I'm with you on your rant about Hulk Hogan. But then you go on to make fun of people with Tourette's Syndrome. Bitch poser. Mark should have won the ESPY Award for Courage coming back after those last two ass whoopings he got. Evan in the Bay, this Rick Flores kook. These two imbeciles have let so many cats out of the bag that Adam Hawk had to excuse himself to the restroom for a little bit of personal time. Joe in Hollywood. Joe, you're about as smooth as AC Green at a nightclub. Your last call violated both elements of the have a take, don't suck rule. You didn't have a take and you suck. Vic, you are a worthless word gypsy what jim abbott chewing his own arm off didn't want any of that i go hard in the paint because y'all can't who says he's hungry for his next challenge i think he's just hungry period i'm gonna roast stew and then feed him to himself mark in hollywood get a clue bro mark you might as well bend over and spell the word run in front of you other kooks that want to try to take a run at me leading up to the smack off you better don't you better don't mikey This happens every single year right around this time. I got to get on the air and tell the jungle that I've got no idea where you are or what you're doing for the smack off. It's getting a little tired. Now, if this is the way it's got to be, then I guess this is the way it's got to be. I would rather have you once a year than never during the year, especially when I hear that playback. I'm reminded of what you bring to it. I'm reminded of that game. I'm reminded that you are one of the best to ever do it. My man, do your thing. Do your thing. Just know we are hoping for you to show up. I'm not going to sit here and beg for it, but do your thing. You're going to make it better. You always make it better. 
It never ends the way you want it to end, but you always make it better. The player profile, Mike from Indy. He has had some amazing moments in the jungle. Incredible lines. And probably more one-liners than anybody ever. Devon Kennard is my guest. Devon, great to have you on. How are you? I'm good. How about yourself? Good, good. Listen, I mentioned that you are entering your eighth NFL season. I mean, the fact that you started your eighth minicamp, you know the way this league works and how few guys make it past their first minicamp. So what's it mean to you to be entering your eighth NFL season? Uh, it's it's surreal, man. I, uh, time really does fly. I remember it like it was yesterday that I was, you know, a rookie getting drafted from the Giants, and now I'm going into my eighth year playing playing in my hometown um, for a good good team and a great organization that I that I, you know, am very familiar with and knew growing up. So it uh, comes full circle. I'm the old, I'm one of the old heads in the locker room now, which is uh, something that you know I'm I'm very proud of just to be able to make it this far. Devon Kennard joining us. It's so true, right? So, so few athletes get to play for their hometown. You and I spoke shortly after you signed with the Cards last year, and we talked about the fact that it was a homecoming and you were going to play where you grew up. Now that you've had a year under your belt, what's that experience been like? Man, honestly, I'm kind of excited to give this year a clean slate and a fresh start because last year with how weird it was with COVID, it, like, didn't hit all the way. You know, we didn't have fans in the stands, like, I only got to have like a couple of people come to games every now and then once the year got started. So I'm I'm really looking forward to this season uh, with fans back in the stands and it being more of a, a normal game day experience. You know, I appreciate that. Listen, I know you're looking forward, but I want to ask you one thing about last year because it really was challenging. And it was challenging in the sense that you had to deal with a calf injury and then a positive COVID test. After the test, you had to isolate and be away from your wife and your daughter for 10 days while you had to try and stay active with what you called caveman workouts. What were the caveman workouts like? And then what was that whole time like for you? It was pretty funny. I stayed near a a park, just an open field. So I would go and just run a bunch of sprints. And I was in in the room just doing push-ups nonstop. Uh, and trying to figure out, just trying to stay stay ready, watching a lot of film. Uh, I was lucky, you know. I feel fortunate. A lot of people had a lot of symptoms and dealt with way more than I did when they when they had it. But um, I had no symptoms. I felt completely fine the entire time. So. Uh, I was just trying to put myself in position to be able to come back and, and continue to help the team. There you go. So you got a new opportunity this year. You're entering your eighth season, but not just that, right? You're entering it with a team that was really close to the postseason last year and then has been really aggressive in the offseason in terms of who they've added. So what are your thoughts when you see the team adds J.J. Watt, A.J. Green, and more? Uh, you know, like on paper, we, we have a really good team, but we got to go out there and put the work in work in and I like how we started this this offseason you know we just finished mini camp it was it was a great uh, atmosphere everybody was working hard and really gelling and building those relationships and that goes a long way so we got to build off of that have a great camp and uh, you know I'll take us over over anybody when it, when the time comes but we got to continue to put the uh, work in and earn it Right. I think you guys look amazing on paper, and we'll see how it looks and how it translates on the field. Now, when you consider the step forward that Kyler Murray took in his second season, what kind of expectations do you have for him as he enters his third year? I think he's going to have a great year. You know, uh, he's going to keep uh, improving and and being the guy for us, and I'm excited to see what he can do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one of the things that – We've talked about in the past, you are an investor, you are an avid reader. Earlier this week, you announced that you're going to become an author, and you signed with Harper Collins. This is actually a pretty big step. How did that come to be, and how excited are you about that challenge? Yeah, you know, uh, this this offseason, it was something that I've always kind of had on the back of my mind that I wanted to, to become an author and write about, and I didn't know what that process would be like, but I just took a leap of faith. I, I started jotting down a lot of notes and, and things. I, I've had it in my head of concepts that I wanted to write about, and uh, I put some thoughts together. I reached out to some people I knew, found a, a, a great uh, literary agent, and he loved my idea immediately, helped me hone it in and put together a proposal. And uh, Harper Collins was uh, he had a good relationship there, and he uh, we pitched it, and I didn't know what the response was going to be, but a few we- a few weeks afterwards, they they offered a deal. We negotiated, and 
And, uh, you know, I just signed on the dotted line this week, so I'm looking forward to it. It's, uh, it's early in the process, so can't, can't give many, uh, details on it yet, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And I'll, once I, uh, come out with it, I'll let you know, and we're going to have to hop on again. For sure. We'll do that. Devon Kennard joining us. So I get what you just said, that it's early in the process and you can't divulge too many details. You know, I've been doing this thing myself. Like I, I've been in that same process, but it's not, it's still early for me too, because I can't quite figure it out. So I'm really curious about your process. Do you know exactly what you're going to write about yet? Yeah, I already have like kind of the idea, the idea and everything, and and I put an outline together. So it's really just sitting down um, and get getting it all together and really formulating the whole book. And you know, this process takes a while. You gotta go back and forth with editors, and um, I'm learning as I go. I didn't know what it all entails. I just had had a vision and idea that I really wanted to share with the world and. And, uh, you know, now I'm going to have the opportunity to do so. So it's uh, it's been a fun process so far, but I'm, I'm learning as I go. And I'm going to try to uh, kind of be as transparent as I can throughout the process because I feel like that's something a lot of a lot of people feel like how I did before I got started. Like, is it how, how does that process work and and could I possibly do it? And, you know, I feel like if I show show people how to do it and what it was like for me, then maybe more people will do it themselves. That's it. I saw the same thing you all did yesterday thing is I don't really want to talk about it so I'm not going to really talk about it I'm really not going to I'm not going to talk about disgraced journo Jeffrey Tubin making his return to TV after an eight-month leave for exposing himself on that zoom call back in October I really don't want to get into that I'm not going to get into that no matter how bad badly, sophomoric, big-headed James Kelly would like me to, and the rest of you want me to. However, I also know that if I don't address this on some level, you're just not going to stop. That none of you will leave me alone until I at least reference it somehow. And and by the way, I don't want to spend this very busy Friday morning slash afternoon into my evening fighting you all off. Now, again, I don't want to set a precedent that you think you can wear me down. Therefore, I'll just do it. I don't want you to wreck my show or my night, though. So what do you say in the spirit of compromise, we meet in the middle? I don't really talk about it per se, but I will play you the sound. And I'll let the audio do the talking for me. I'll let the audio do the talking for itself. That way you and James Kelly get what you want. I acknowledge it. I get what I want by not really discussing it. Is that a fair compromise? If we meet in the middle like that. Let's give it a shot. So Old Tubes returns to CNN for the first time in a long time. Now if you don't know why and you've been under a rock I mean, this is the one thing we all know why, right? We all know what happened. There's nobody listening right now that does not know this guy or what this guy did. But if for whatever reason you don't know Jeffrey Tubin or why that's a big deal, don't worry. His colleague, Allison Camerata, will fill you in. Hi, Jeffrey. Hello, Allison. It's been a while. It has been a while, indeed. I feel like we should address what's happened in the months since we've seen you, since some of our viewers may not know what has happened. So uh, I guess I'll recap. Help yourself. Okay. (laughs) Um, In October, you were on a Zoom call with your colleagues from The New Yorker magazine. Everyone took a break for several minutes, during which time you were caught masturbating on camera. Uh, You were subsequently fired from that job after 27 years of working there. And you, since then, have been on leave from CNN. Do I have all that right? Um, You got it all right. Sad to say. Only thing missing was that guy going with a hammer emoji. Nailed that. Hey, listen, you know I'm not talking about this, right? And I'm not. But holy hell. Like, what are we doing? No, no, seriously, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing? What what am I doing here? What am I here for? I'm not asking the jungle. I'm pretty much asking mankind. 
what are we doing here as a species? How is what I just played even possible? How did CNN welcome this dude back to TV after what he did? What are we doing here? How is the segment even a thing? The hell does this guy get a second chance? I know, again, this country is extremely forgiving, and especially of celebrities and public figures. But the last thing anybody wants to see is anything more from Tubes. Everyone saw more than enough on that Zoom call. And now this dude's back on TV. How? How? If your co-anchor has to reset the fact that you were caught pleasuring yourself on a Zoom call and you confirm it's true, maybe you should not be a paid public figure anymore. Am I taking crazy pills? Because when you get right down to it, believe it or not, there are a couple of things. There are some things that you simply cannot apologize for. And that's one of those things. And no, clones, I did not miss the appropriate or so apropos choice of words when he said to her, quote, help yourself. She said that she wanted to reset the situation and his immediately response or immediate response was help yourself. Uh, I guess I'll recap. Help yourself. Okay. <laughs> the king of helping himself just said, help yourself on TV in a segment that they were doing about him helping himself. Is this real life? To quote Jay Leno, what the hell were you thinking? I didn't think I was on the call. I didn't think other people could see me. You so, thought that you had turned off your camera? Correct. I thought that I had turned off the Zoom call. And, you know, I have spent the seven subsequent months, miserable months in my life, I can certainly confess, um, trying to be a better person. I mean, in therapy, trying to do some public service, um, working in a food bank, which I certainly am going to continue to do, working on a new book about the Oklahoma City bombing. But I am trying to become the kind of person that people can trust again. You're trying to become the kind of person that people can trust again as he works in a book plug. Yeah, because what's more trustworthy than that? I have learned from my mistakes. I'm trying to be a better person. Read my new book. A freaking book plug in the middle of that. I'd ask if this dude has any shame, but clearly he does not. Not on the Zoom call. Not today. Yo, Tubes, you were caught with your pants down on a Zoom call. What do you have to say for yourself? Well, I thought my camera was off. And can you buy my new book about the OKC bombing? So why don't we just keep moving so I can get this thing over with as quickly as possible? Have you ever thought about what it must have been like to be on the receiving end of that Zoom call? Um, well, I, I haven't just thought about it. I've spoken to several of my former colleagues at The New Yorker about it. And, you know, they uh, were shocked and appalled. They were? Why? I love that she sets that up with, have you ever considered what it was like to be on the other end of that, receiving that? And his response was, oh, oh no, I have. I have discussed it with them. How, bro? Did you call up those colleagues and say, hey, you got a minute? I need to know, what was it like to be on the receiving end of that? You discussed it with them. Did you get into it? Did you ask the appropriate follow-up questions? Can't imagine what would be shocking and appalling about that. Shocked and appalled. Hey, look, I don't want to give anybody credit here. But credit to the co-anchor, a little bit anyway, for asking this next question because it was so unnecessary that you almost get the feeling that she enjoyed tearing tubes apart on TV. Maybe you remember that Everybody was coming for this guy. Everybody. Even OJ. OJ Simpson had a tubes take last year that he posted on Twitter. Damn. 
Jeffrey Tubin? At least Pee Wee Herman was in an X-rated movie theater. I'm just saying. OJ right there officially became a triple murderer with that. Brutal. And then check out the interviewer yesterday bringing it up. Even OJ Simpson took a swipe at you. You know, my dad used to say something. He used to say, you can judge a person by their enemies. And if my enemy is OJ Simpson, that is okay with me. Huh? Hey, Tubes, your pops should have saved that advice, whatever the hell that means. And instead, he should have told you, shut the lid on your lapper before you start taking your pants off. That's the advice you needed from your old man. Anyway, I I literally cannot believe that this is real life. I can't believe we live in a country where that guy, after what he did, was on TV again, weaving in book plugs in between non-apologies. What a world. What a world. And that I let you clones back me down and got me to talk about it. Can we move on? And in tubes, like, there's this tiny, tiny, tiny piece of me that almost respects you re-entering the fray and getting back into this fight. Because let me tell you something, tubes. As somebody who was a part of an event, an episode, yo, my man, it does not go away. And as bad as my episode and event went for me, I didn't do what you did. All right? So never mind how horrible the last seven months have been. Even though everybody moves on to the next thing, whatever the next thing is, you're going to get about 50 more years of that. All right? As an example, me, I had a bad night. I had a really bad night. I'm here. I bounce back. I know you're looking to do the same thing. But me, if I got caught letting it all hang out like you did, and the entire world saw it, I'm digging myself a shallow grave, and I'm going to call it a day, or probably a life. Not old tubes, no. My man's got a book to sell. And this incredible delusion that somehow, someway, even one single person in this country is going to forgive and forget his act. I'm here to tell you, Tubes, that's not happening. That's not happening. They put him back on TV. Hey, Jim. Hey, Jim. Did you see the Tubes poked his head out? Also, he was on CNN. You see, Brett? This is why I don't give you what you want. Because unlike you, I am responsible. I know where the line is. And even as far into my career as I am, I still walk on that line. I dance on that line. I'll even jump over that line a little bit. Come back. Not you morons. I can't trust you with a topic like that. Remember, I'm doing this show in the middle of the day. I'm doing this show with a corporation that is the Tiffany Corporation. I have to be very responsible. Some of you morons don't understand the meaning of the word responsible. This is why I can't always give you what you want. But I'm going to say this. There are certain events in this world, and I try and stay out of politics as an example on this show. There are certain things that really are truly transcendent. I'll give you that. And when you have the body of work that I have and the amount of goodwill I have in the bank that I have, I can do this, right? I've got the liberty. I have the liberty to talk about those things that transcend even sports. However, as important as the ability, or I should say the liberty is I have the ability. Most of you do not. I'm not censoring you. I'm not saying that you can't do what you want to do on these other platforms. You do you. You do it on Twitter. You do it on Instagram. You do, you do it wherever you are. Just don't bring it around my show and think that I'm going to do it with you. Sad to say. Because you know what I like? I like having a job. I like being able to provide for my family. 
I what didn't I think other like, people could see me. Yeah. What I don't like is some of your reaction to it, all right? Me, smart. You, not so much. I thought that I had turned off the Zoom call. Yeah, we were wrong, Tubes. Dude, it's not that hard, you know? It's that little white light. I didn't think I was on the call. Yeah, I hope. Or were you thinking, hey, showtime, yo. Big stage. Man, just close the laptop, dude. Unbelievable. Sad to say. My man, you know he worked up for that performance, too. You know. He's like, this is it. I'm coming back. Temporary setback for a much bigger comeback. Yeah, I doubt that. I doubt that. That works on a lot of things. My man, this is not a torn ACL. This is not an MCL injury. This is not a temporary setback setting up for a much bigger comeback. Believe that. Big head. James Kelly of Big Head Bets. Yo, head, what's up? Not much, Jim Rome. What's happening? What's up, big head? Not too much. Listen, you know, the clones can talk all they want, head. They can mm. give you and I all the crap they want for playing chalk or for doing what I did last night, namely hitting the money line twice. All I know is I made some money last night, and it felt pretty damn good. And when I lose, head, it feels pretty damn crappy. And I'd rather feel good than crappy. So hopefully you've got some good data rattling around that enormous head of yours. So how you feeling heading into this weekend? Man, I'm feeling great. Uh, smart call on the Bucks money line play, too, by you. Well done, because you would have lost that spread by half a point. So Thank you very much. Yeah. Exactly, right? Mm -hmm. So let's get into it. I'm glad you brought that up. So I didn't have to give myself credit, although I probably would have. <laughs> So the Hawks, why don't we start right there? The Hawks did what they had to do. They ripped a game in Philly. They get to return home with the home court. I've made it absolutely clear. I love Trey Young. I love this guy. But long before that, you know what I made clear? That I love Joel Embiid. The big dude's out there on a jacked up knee. And he's killing it. As long as he can continue to manage that pain, there's no reason to believe that he's going to stop abusing fools. He's on a mission. I personally like the Sixers on the road, minus one and a half. Is that the number you see, and how do you see the matchup? I'm seeing one, one and a half, and I'm riding with you and Joel here. Joel had plenty of motivation before the series started, and he's adding that MVP loss to it. I will say, though, Jim, Atlanta is at their best covering at home. They are only behind Phoenix as the second-best home cover in the entire association, hitting on 65% of their games. However, as a home dog... And why I like Philly here, they are not as good. The concerning part for me for Philly is Doc and his bench. I wish he'd actually shorten that damn thing. They've killed him the last two games. But I see Ben Simmons playing well tonight, usually when he fails to reach double figures in a game like he did in game two. He plays much better his next time out, and they usually win. I'm banking on that here. I'm going with Philly on the road. Minus one and a half. Minus All right, one. So that's the first one. Sixers minus one and a half. You and I are on the same page there. Now the Clippers, big head. Mm. Clippers going to clip, right? And they did in game two last night, as was the case in game one. Man, they had a really good look at it against the top seed. They could have and probably should have, in the very least, gotten a split. Instead, they're coming home down two games to none. And I don't want to hear this crap about how, yeah, well, they came back on the Mavs down two games to none because Utah's not the Mavs, all right? So, so far, they've got no answer for Donovan Mitchell. And now they've got to win four out of five against a really good team in Utah. I'm not asking you to pick the series. We don't have to do this, but you do need to pick game three. L.A., minus four. How are you playing that? Yeah, well, I, I did get... Uh, great odds for the Clippers to win that series down 0-2 against Dallas. And if you wanted to do the same here to win this series, you can get them at plus 350. But as you said, it's about this game tonight. And I'm going with the Cl or, I'm sorry, tomorrow. I'm going with the Clippers minus four. Now, we've made a lot of money on Utah this year, Jim, on this segment. But the majority of that has come off when they're playing at home. On the road, it's a different story for the Jazz. They are covering around 52% of their away games. Not bad. But as an away dog, like they are here, they've hit on only 25% of their games this year. As an overall underdog, they only hit on 33%, so they're just not very good in that spot. So 
Utah's stingy, uh, stingy D is making it difficult for the Clippers right now, especially last night in crunch time. But I think Ty Lue will now make some big adjustments. More Kawhi roaming Mitchell, and L.A. shoots it better at home in Game 3 because overall they can shoot. I'm going against Utah, who has gone 6-1 and one against the spread in the playoffs, and I'm going with Pandemic P and the Clippers <laughs> minus 4. Clones, are you writing this down? This is the big head. James Kelly, big head bets. Listen, really quickly, you mentioned you could get the Clippers at plus 350 right now. They're down two games to none. They've got to beat Utah four times in five games. Would you hit that plus 350? I will not now. I, I like them winning this series, but like you mentioned, I thought they could have got one of those games in Utah, so now I will not hit that plus Same. 350. Sam, yeah. I would not either. Okay, Nuggets, Suns, they're running it back. Well, my dude Michael Malone is hoping they do not run it back because he lit his team up following game two, saying that they quit. Personally, I do not have a problem with that. Nobody knows his team better than he knows his team. And if he says they quit, then they quit. Then again, the Suns are on a heater. I can see where they would make others want to quit. Denver's got to have this one. What's the number? What's the play? The number is Denver minus one and a half, minus two. And yes, Denver looks shot right now. But like you said, Malone did challenge his guys. And to his credit, every time they faced adversity, they have thrived after it. It's very tubes-like, if you will. Stand in, keep moving, keep fighting. What? But, but. How would you just try and do? Oh, I'm sorry. But the numbers here. <laughs> the numbers hate Denver here. And Phoenix is on fire on the latest trend. Any of this, head. I just keep moving, man. Just keep moving. Latest trends, recent trends, all of Phoenix. The Suns on the year as an away underdog cover better than their league-leading home favorite rate against a spread of almost 70%. They are covering 72% as an away dog. Denver's not good in the spot either, Jim, as a home favorite. And on the court, the Nuggets have struggled from distance due to the Suns 3D. The Joker needs help. You have to wonder if this spot uh, is where, you know, the Murray injury finally gets him. Michael Porter Jr. has struggled in this series. He's struggled all year against the Suns. I'm going to take the points, and I'm going to take Phoenix. Hey, listen, you know, in what you and I do every single Friday, there is no guarantee, right? There's no stone-cold lock. Nothing's guaranteed. I can't promise anything. But I can promise this, and I know a stone-cold lock when I see one. The stone-cold lock of the day was you mixing in a tubes reference when it had nothing to do with anything. I almost started off the top with it. I mean, there's plenty of betting terminology we could use for tubes, but, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah, I, I didn't go there. Yeah, yeah, good work. Way to, way to stay in your shoes. Way to keep mm. it in. Anyway, so one, <laughs> I want to ask you, yeah, thank you, Alvin. You're not helping him. You're hurting him, Alvin. And you shouldn't be uh, taking one day off a week, Alvin, nor siding with James Kelly. Listen, I can't not ask you about Major League Baseball, except right now I don't care enough about any of it to hit anything in particular. So I'm just going to ask you, is there anything at all in Major League Baseball which is getting your attention? Because for me it's not. Not really. Yeah, let's go San Fran and plus one and a half on that run line against Washington and Max Scherzer on the road. Mm. Tough ass to beat Max, but the Giants are the best team in baseball against the run line this season. Also, the Giants starting pitcher, Anthony D. Sclafani, is inconsistent, but he has been very, very good on the road this season. And the Nationals offense, that's been very, very bad this season at home, scoring in MLB worst 3.36 runs per game, Jim. The Giants actually score the fifth most runs on the road, and their bullpen has been solid if they need um, some of that help. So let's go Giants plus one and a half on the run line. There's no way to work a Tubes reference into that matchup. <laughs> the original tissue price of this matchup has the Giants at a good number. Well, there we go. How about that? Okay, I'm sorry I asked. Big head. Hope you're enjoying your last Chopped segment ever on this show. Appalled. All right, so just stop. So you know we're talking UFC 263, right? Just as you know, this is an enormous Nate Diaz house. I love him. You love him. The odds makers do not love him in this fight. Not against Leon Edwards, a dude that really nobody else wants to try, and Nate could not wait to get into the cage with. So you can get some serious, serious value if you roll with Nate. Mm -hmm. What is the number you're seeing, and how are you playing this one, and do you see anything else on that card that you like? 
So you can get Nate at plus 390 if you want him. Now, hmm. this is the eighth straight fight. Nate's been the underdog. I mean, think about that for That's a second. Crazy. It's, it's crazy, but it says a lot about him, right? And it's why people love him, because he's always willing to fight the toughest guy out there. I mean, he never, if he's not a favorite, it tells you he's not afraid of anybody, right? So obviously I love him, and he's got incredible value, but um, business is business, and I just don't see him winning here, Jim. I have. I have to go Edwards you know what he would here. say to that? You know what he would say to that? He would say, <laughs> bleep you, big head. He would too, man. But I, no, I mean, I literally, he would. No, no <laughs> doubt about that part too. But here, here's the problem, though. Edwards is minus 575. Wow. So I will do the rare parlay and couple that with Izzy. Izzy is a minus 275 favorite over. But if Edwards and Izzy together, you can get a minus 166 here. That's my play. I think Edwards is just too precise. Too good of a striker for Nate. But, again, Nate can surprise and an underdog once again. He has worked miracles in the past. He's in deep. There's a reason why the numbers are the numbers. Yes. Man, that is such an amazing thing you just said. Even I didn't know that. Nate has been an underdog in his last eight fights. It's incredible. And even if he loses, he he's still beloved by everybody because, again, dude, nobody takes the fights that Nate Diaz will take. And that's why people love him. He picks the guys that he wants, and he's like, dude, everybody thinks this guy's a big badass. I'll take that guy. And he does. And half the time, he wins. Now, the thing about that is, even if he loses, Nate always shows up a certain way. He's yes. always in shape. He's always ready to go to war. He's always got that realness about him. Man, Nate Nate is one of the greatest. And that's how he could win this fight, too, here. If he how? does yeah, what like Nate how, always what's does. What's the scenario? How does he win this fight? Drag him in, right? Drag him in. Keep coming. Keep putting that pressure on there, and hopefully Edwards takes off the gas, and and Nate, you know, takes the first, second round ass kicking that he usually does, and then he gets going and gets going. It hurt him against Jorge. Jorge had him, you know, badly hurt for the first two rounds. He starts getting a little bit better at that third, but his eyes cut, and they call it. And man, that scar tissue on Nate's face is an absolute concern because he's been in wars. He cuts, he bleeds, but he but then again, what's one more thing about that fight? It's the first fight in the history of the promotion that's a five round fight that's not a championship fight. So obviously, if he can drag him out there, the longer the fight goes, the better it is for Nate. But what's that say about Nate and that matchup? There's never been a five round fight that was not a championship fight. Yeah, or on the 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 final fight on the main card, right? On both those things. And then what does it say him just smoking weed at his presser yesterday and his cardio? I mean, I mean the guy must run marathons daily to be able to go into these fourth and fifth rounds. So, I mean, you'd you'd look at that guy yesterday at that press conference just smoking weed up there and think, "Oh my gosh, there's no way he can do four or five, but that's when he's at his strongest." So, I got one Actually, last stop for you. I got one yeah. last stop. Business is business. Business is business. You mm-hmm. should never, ever, ever, ever bet emotionally. My head would tell me it's not a great matchup for Nate, but man, I love this guy so much that I, I'll admit it. I throw money at guys, the few guys that I really, really want to win, where I know it's not good business. Nate's one of those guys. Like on paper, there's no way Nate should win. But how do I go against Nate, man? I love the guy. No, but that's why I go with the other guys. So if Nate loses. I still win money, but if Nate wins, I'm happy to, you know, kind of pay up the money. Bull crap, dude. You're betting against Nate. Don't tell me that. (laughs) That's just business. I'm hedging my bet right there. Okay, I got you. Really quickly, run it down, top to bottom. Who do you got this weekend? Sixers minus one, Clippers minus four, Suns plus one and a half, San Fran in uh, Major League Baseball plus the run line at Washington, Edwards, Izzy, parlay at minus 166. Make sure you put it on Twitter, big head. Thank you very much. Have a great weekend. Let's get paid. Thanks, Jim. James Kelly, big head bets. Good morning, Romy. Good morning, Jungle. You know. Welcome to the Jungle. What's cracking? My name is Jim Rome. Jim Rome. My name is so good to be with you. All right, so things I want to start with. How about the Clippers? Why don't we do that? Awesome. The first round is over the home team. So, yes, I'm going to acknowledge the Game 7 win, but I'm still not sold. I want to see this against the Jazz. Do that, and then maybe we can start to change the narrative about this team. Vincent Goodwill. Haha, <laughs> my man Jim Rome. How you doing? This is magic right from the Twitter account. No, of course 
Of course, Magic knows what he's doing. Magic is not oblivious to this. The smack off 27. Put more effort in, loser. The tradition continues. Dude, that guy gets more ass than Kelly Clarkson's lazy boy. Friday, June 25th. Tim Corbin joining us. This is a kid that's going to, he's definitely going to have a chance to pitch beyond here, but he certainly has a high care level for what he's doing. I'm going to be entering the jungle on a big day in a bad mood, clones, and now the smack off roster is going to pay for this disrespect. Do you ever think you'd be this good? Is that a real question? The flag really went Rex Lee on that. Yeah. Except Rex did it in the middle of a decidedly non-legendary interview. Is that a question? Is that a real question? Is that a real question? No, the closest thing to charcuterie in the trailer park is when cockroaches cheese whiz. Silk bra. If you take your perfectly clean car to a car wash and drive it in through backwards, does it come out dirty? Come on. Ah. Email. What the hell is the matter with phone slots? Oh, what's the matter with you, Mike? It's just a joke. We're just having fun here. Is that okay with you, Mike? You shouldn't even be allowed to talk about that. Xander Shoffley. Just want to ask you one thing about Phil Mickelson. I was kicking his ass. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, he wasn't playing great. All this crap leading into it. But for the most part, he's not surprised. Hey, Paul's dog. What's up? Room, room, room. Here for my golden ticket. Woo! I still have my pair. They're big, but they're Hawk getting duped again. Am I right, Mike and Snowbird? Have you ever used spider attack while pitching? Um, I don't. How painful was that? Uh, Struggling. Is that all Kilmer? I was waiting for him to point off to the uh, side and shout, hey, yo, yo, look look over there. And then try and sprint away from the podium. Matt Olson is my guest. The homer's not always going to be there. You got to find a way to produce other ways. I thought you were going to say the home run's not always going to be there when guys are loading up the baseball with all sorts of homemade glue and goop. Yeah, obviously that's a hot topic. No matter what happens, we got to stand at the dish and try to hit it. Yo, champ, what's cracking? Everyone knows I'm looking to win this thing twice twice this year for my fourth ring, Jimmy. I want to get it sized for my middle finger. To all the haters that didn't vote for me as best caller ever in the 25th, baby. If Silk Bro hits his 18 to 1 odds for the win, I will go away forever. No calls, no emails, nothing. I will call him my daddy. Sorry, Janet, I just wanted to, you know, this may happen again if Jim doesn't give me an RSVP. And now it's gone. Here comes Paul. Look I'm saying he might be one of the toughest guys in the league to like because for every great game, there's also a flop or a nut shot. But you've got to tip your hat to him. Damn good player. We're Jake Rome planning a Project X-style party at the Evil Eagle River House and not telling the old man about it. Holler. If you hear me. Cameron Kenley, my guest, you're not trying to avoid your commitment. A hundred percent. It's never been about me getting out of my commitment. When I committed to the Naval Academy team, I knew there was a five-year service commitment. I was channel surfing. You had Cameron Kenley on. I am going to pray for him. Gary Payton. John Stockton was a nightmare for me. He would only play for 34 minutes. Then all of a sudden you look at him, he has 16 assists. And you look up on the number board, we down 20 or 30. We thought he was dirty, but we was, was stupid. You pukes better be ready because the play- Summer's coming back into the jungle to ream all your candy asses a new one. Outro. Hey, audience, tell me how my ass tastes. I just gave him a golden ticket. You were caught masturbating on camera. <laughs> I am trying to become the kind of person that people can trust again. My man, this is not a torn ACL. This is not a temporary setback setting up for a much bigger comeback. Believe that. I thought that I had turned off the Zoom call. Damn. So let's go Giants plus one and a half on the run line. There, there's no way to work a Tubes reference into that matchup. <laughs> the original tissue price of this matchup has the Giants at a good number. Sorry, I asked. Shut up and go away and take Silk and your disgusting man breast with you. Yeah, 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 I know we, yeah, okay. There's a number of things that are going to happen between now and the end of the program that are good. Here is Erica Herskowitz. Probably won't be that good. I'm out here. Hey, did you like the magic impression, Rome? Good talking to you. I've been listening to all your interviews. You're the man. <laughs> Can I make the show better? Is that a real question? Life and karma is a bitch, bitch. I appreciate it, Jim. Good catching up with you, bro. Has a lot of <laughs> sex <laughs> with his wife. <laughs> Jim, anytime, man. Anytime you want me on, it's a pleasure. They're stacked, Romy. Crazy. Like, who does that? You better don't. And until next time, Jim, good night now! Good night now!